You're listening to Once, episode 156, A Tale of Two Sisters, Initial Reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. It is good to be back! I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And we are so happy to have you listening again. If you haven't checked out some of the summer specials that we have, check those out at the website, oncepodcast.com. And before you go any further in season four of Once Upon a Time, watch Frozen. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Oncepodcast.com slash Frozen, and you can get then uh, the DVD or Blu-ray that you can watch and enjoy. And then you get all of these jokes that are going on, all of these special lines that people will be saying. But we're here to talk about this episode that we just watched, the season four premiere of Once Upon a Time called A Tale of Two Sisters. I was pleasantly surprised with this episode. I agree. I felt like, I don't know about you, but I felt like... This whole thing of Frozen, you've heard, if you've been listening to one's podcast for a while, you've heard me be a bit skeptical of this <laughs> at times thinking, yeah, this sounds like fun. At other times thinking, uh, I don't know. But I think that this was a good episode. It didn't seem too corny. I mean, there was some of the stuff that we might get into, but <laughs> generally, I-, I like the direction they're going with this. Some directions I did not anticipate. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm pleased with the casting. A lot of the way scenes were done, things didn't feel I didn't think they felt rushed or forced or shortened. Uh it does definitely help if you've seen Frozen, I think, because you get the significance of certain things. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. It feels like like the movie picking up again, the story picking up again and not in a straight to DVD sort of Frozen 2 kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, and it does pick up right where the movie left off. Mm-hmm. Because, Which has been a little extra information as yeah. Once Upon a Time is so good at doing. Which it's nice to see that. I don't know if we're always going to continue seeing Arendelle from after the movie Frozen. But at least this episode takes place afterward because Anna is getting married. Elsa has already gone and been back and you know, all of that's happened. Mm-hmm. I think that we might get to see some flashbacks to actual events. Maybe. I I don't know. But in this episode, getting to see Arendelle and getting to see Elsa's mother and father and see that they were on their way to the Enchanted Forest. What do you think? To see Rumpelstiltskin? I don't know if there's going to be... I mean, I guess they've probably heard something specific, but I'm sure they were looking for someone that they thought could end Elsa's curse. Right. Because they were treating it as it's a danger and as this is something that needs to be healed from, uh, or a condition that she needs to be healed from. Or maybe they wanted to find someone like Professor X to teach her how to use her magic in a special way. There's not much telling. There's beauty in the magic. I'm just glad that when I get upset... I don't have snowflakes that come about my head. 
Yeah, the little effects. Some of that was really neat. I thought, oh, that's really cute. And then some of the other visual effects, like Marshmallow, which is awesome to see Marshmallow. <laughs> and uh, the troll, or yeah. the rock troll. I thought, uh, okay, it's television visual effects. Yeah, most of it felt really well done. I wasn't really sure how I felt about him entirely. He was maybe a little too animated. Right. Yeah, within this context. And the lighting wasn't quite right. I mean, yeah, lots of technical things about it, but television visual effects. What can they do on a television show budget and with the amount of time that they have? I still think it was really neat to see the rock trolls there. Yeah, I liked the setting. I mean, really, locations, location-wise, they did a very good job. I assume that was still there. (laughs) <laughs> sort of Vancouverish area, but mm-hmm. I didn't see any obvious, oh, hey, that part was just green screen. Right. Well, okay, maybe Arendelle, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of the cities like that, I think we'll be used to seeing like that. Back in Storybrooke, we also pick up right where season three left off, literally right after right. when Regina walks out of Granny's Diner. Which I appreciated because it showed that some of us who thought she was not quite as uh, full-blown evil as we were at first afraid. It makes me wonder if we just saw what was going to be the ending for season three. Because in the season three DVD and Blu-rays, which we we reviewed over at oncepodcast.com slash 154, in the commentary by Kitsis and Horowitz, in the season three finale, they said that they filmed a different ending that we would get to see at some point. Hmm. And I just wonder if we just saw that, that it wasn't really supposed to be a cliffhanger in ending, or maybe we will still see some kind of cliffhanger ending that was supposed to, or that not supposed to be, but that they filmed as what they told everyone was going to be the season three finale ending because that whole thing of Elsa showing up was kept a closely guarded secret. Everyone thought something else was going to be the ending and they haven't, hadn't shown us that yet. And this is stuff that they mentioned in that season three finale commentary on the DVDs and Blu-rays. I think it'll probably be something a little bigger than what we saw tonight. Yeah. We did see some big things. Snowman, or the evil snowman. <laughs> you want to build an evil snowman? <laughs> I don't think that thing likes warm hugs. No. He no. was pretty big. Was. And I had to wonder, okay, if he's got ice protruding from his body like that, and he hits Emma, isn't, he, isn't that going to kill her? Sure. Impale her with ice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I've been impaled. Now that you mention it, I think that was the only thing in the entire episode that made me kind of cringe from a quality standpoint. I yeah. didn't I didn't understand the spacing of the characters in relation to the giant snowman. Because when he swiped, I felt like he shouldn't have hit her from where they were. And yeah, it was kind of like, that probably should have been maybe fatal. I do feel like the whole live action view of the frozen characters is a little bit awkward to me. I I think they nailed the casting with this. Anna looks and sounds and acts perfect for this. By the way, our, one of our other forum moderators, Matthew Paul got to 
view this episode ahead of time. And he blogged about it on our website, oncepodcast.com. I thought about doing it, but then I thought, uh, no, I want to wait for when, watching it when everyone else does. So I gave Matthew access to watch our show, uh, the, the pre-screening version, and he blogged about it. And I remember him also thinking that they just nailed the cast mm-hmm. on this. Totally picked the right people. I think we'll see that play out more and more in the coming days or the coming weeks of Once Upon a Time as we'll see how these characters develop and maybe even take their own approach to each of these fairy tale characters. Because mm-hmm. think about it, each of these characters that Once Upon a Time brings us have certain preconceptions to us because we've seen the Disney versions or we've read the storybooks or something like that. It's commonly, for most of us, we've seen the Disney versions. So we're thinking Ariel should have red hair. She should look this way. Or Belle should wear this particular dress, which they, she does. dance and, in a particular ballroom. <laughs> yeah, with a particular song going on in the background. And Oh, wait. That, I actually that thought happen. that was great. Yeah. There were a lot of great other Disney movie references. Good in this. thing that giant house just was unclaimed and brought over by the curse. And But they're only going to stay there for their honeymoon because who would want to just live there? I mean, that's ridiculous. What do you think? Merlin's house? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think that's who it is because I've heard the name Merlin being tossed around. Well, there was that little case that yeah. Rumpel found and then he did this little magic thing and out comes what looks like Merlin's hat with the stars on it and everything. Yeah. See, people are saying that and I didn't, it didn't look like a hat to me, but now that you say it, it did. And <laughs> the music in the background was the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, which is well. commonly associated <laughs> with Merlin. Sure. Okay. I mean, when you put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think as far as the Frozen characters, like you were saying, and our preconceived notions go, they right now are probably the mm, most traditionally represented characters on the show because they're so stinking new. Right. So they just sort of brought the story in, added a little background, but they're trying, they, you know, they've hardly changed anything. They tried to represent everything as close to the movie as possible, which they don't usually do. So we're not used to that either, really. I wouldn't have a problem with it if they never show us the same events as from the movie. Oh, no, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought they were going to sort of retell the story already, and I, that was part of my apprehension about the season. That they were going to try to bring the movie into the show and that they were going to maybe be like, no, this didn't happen this way. It happened this way. And uh, it's too soon. Yeah. No, what they're doing is great, I think. I like how they also brought back Sydney. He's back. (laughs) And in his mirror, temporarily. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I was, you know, super excited about that, but. I'm liking the character better right now than in the past. Yeah. He's doing a good job. And as Rumpelstiltskin said, I left my past in the past. Right. It was like, or actually it wasn't Rumpel, it was Regina. It was so close. And I might even be confusing who said that. These are just our initial reactions, by the way. So we're going to be all over the place and might not have our facts straight. Yeah. The the two-sided or the conversation through the door. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful yeah i'd say yeah there were a lot of things in this episode that were very well done well written yeah, seeing how emma's character has developed she's embracing the fact that she's the bringer of happy endings and she wants to 
bring that for Regina. Regina has different plans, though, and I'm glad she does. Well, kind of the same. You're glad? We're going to find out who wrote the book. Well, yeah, but then she wants to change the book. Well, yeah, side note. But we're going to find <laughs> out who wrote the book. <laughs> Maybe. When when I saw that, I, I haven't gotten so excited about <laughs> discovering that we're going to learn something as when we discovered, I think, who Cora was truly the Queen of Hearts, and when Cora appeared in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, wonderlandpodcast.com, well, by the way, if you never Cora, listened to that. Maybe Cora wrote the book. <laughs> Just kidding. I think we'll be surprised. And with the hint that Merlin might be coming, I'm thinking those two are probably connected. Now I'm going to think that Merlin wrote the book because Merlin was hinted at this episode and also hinted in this episode is that we're going to find out who wrote the book. Well, then Merlin better be a pretty cool character because so far he's an unknown. Yeah. And people imitate his swords. <laughs> Often imitated, never repeated. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that saying goes. Mm. Mm-hmm. By the way, we do want your feedback for this episode of Once Upon a Time. We'd love to include it in our upcoming full discussion. So please send us your thoughts and theories. I'll tell you more about how you can send that later on. But I really want to thank some people who have already sent in some stuff that really helps us. And that is donations to this episode of Once Podcast, because we really could not do this without your help. It costs a lot to run the server, run the forums, host the podcast episodes, all of that stuff that we do. So big thanks to Lisa Slack, Steve Johnson, David Newland, Kelsey Hunt, Laura Silva, Lori Hancock, Tappenberg, DJ Firewolf, and Mary Ann Lavati. Thank you so much for your kind contributions and donations. And also, Big thanks to our Patreon backers. We're at $16.50 per episode. So huge, huge thank yous for contributing to this podcast, helping us do this, bring you this free content for this TV show we all really enjoy. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you for donating. And if you would like to donate again, or maybe an automatic ongoing monthly donation or a one-time donation or even a per episode donation, you can find all of the options over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and thank you for your support thank you so with the direction that they've set this on of course i think we're going to see more flashbacks to arendelle i hope we're going to see more as finn (laughs) (laughs) yeah He, he did kind of steal the scene in that scene And Matthew Paul had mentioned that in his blog review of the pre-screening copy of this episode. He said that Sven steals the scene. And I I think it was great that they included Sven, but not not overly childish, I would say, in the way that they included him. Like I'm thinking of some of the Santa Claus movies where the reindeer are given too much personality. Yes. Like in a live action movie like this, where it's not animated, you have to walk this fine line between animals and personalities. In animations, it's fine. It's really easy to give animals personalities. But in a movie with humans, where they're not regularly interacting with animals, it's a fine line. And I think that they're, at least so far, doing a pretty good job at that. And letting the one see Sven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. At least uh, 
At least Kristoff wasn't giving him words to speak so far. I wonder if we'll see Kristoff singing to him at some point. <laughs> Whenever he and Anna have a disagreement after their wedding, Kristoff will go out to the barn and just sing to his reindeer. <laughs> With. With. With his reindeer. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Reindeers are better than people. <laughs> I loved seeing Leroy again being the town yeller. Not like yellow. He's the yeller. Maybe we should call him a town crier, it sounds. Yeah. The more. town announcer. He's the, the town yeller more than the town crier. I'm getting... Mm, someone needs to talk to that guy. Mm. Do you think someday we'll see a Leroy flashback wherein he fills the role of the main character in the story of the boy who cried wolf? <laughs> oh, that would be fun. I mean, I guess so far he's had a point whenever he's been yelling through town. But, yeah. He's a little bit of an alarmist, don't you think? He's as excited as I am to learn about who wrote the book. I think That's he's probably he's just yelling. terrified. He's starting to be a, kind of a fraidy cat. Yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of the book, again. Sorry, again. That's my favorite point from this episode. that's what you're excited about. I will rewatch this episode a couple times at least before a full discussion this upcoming Wednesday. Go to oncepodcast.com slash live to see our schedule, but it's 8 p.m. Eastern. I thought I heard that they said the book has power. In this episode? Yes. Yeah, she, Regina did, I believe. So it's not just like a history book for the fairy tale characters. See, I'd like to find out that that is like, I want to hear that she's wrong. Hmm. She's probably not, but I've said before, I don't really enjoy it when a new magical plot point needs to come up and Regina just says it as fact. Yeah. And she got it from nowhere. Yeah. At least we're not going to have isn't... time travel again. Right. <laughs> like, no, no, Regina, that's a bad idea. You need to just put that one down. I thought, here's what I thought she was going to do. I thought she was going to get Jefferson's hat. You know how she retrieved the poison apple? Yeah. And she was just going to stabby stabby through a portal. <laughs> she was just going to stick her hand through. This, this hand with this apple just pops out. Not the yeah. apple. <laughs> well, hey, she's returning it back to its historical place. <laughs> Maybe. Here, Marion, have an apple. <laughs> Sydney, find me the moment in Marion's life when she was the most hungry and she would eat anything. And even possibly sell her birthright for it. <laughs> Spoiler for a different story, by the way. I yes. do wonder, with this whole thing of Regina wanting to find her happy ending, and it seems like she's given up on the idea of killing Marion or removing Marion from the picture, and now she just realizes, oh, the big problem is I can't have a happy ending. So let's just change the rules so that I can have a happy ending. So does that mean she no longer sees Marion as an enemy and she's accepted that and she is trying to do the right thing, but just, I don't know, a bunch of odd, incomplete thoughts there, I know. She's going the other way. She's going to change the story in one way or another. Or I think she thinks she can still change history by changing the book. Or is it... Yeah, I'm not sure she's totally given up on the idea of affecting time. The funny thing is, if she had just sat at home and sulked, Marion would be dead again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, not really, though, because Emma got batted with a giant snowman hand, and she was okay. 
yeah. not a scratch. So I think Marion probably could have gotten stomped well, and she'd have been fine. Snowman, marshmallow guy. Marshmallow. Was about to step on her and that's a bit different than only a little hitting someone. Just a little. Either way. Nice of her to save Marion. And Emma is learning more with her magic too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she could definitely try out for like I don't know, softball team. They oh, wouldn't man. need softballs. They could just she could just pitch magic balls of light. You know how hard it would be for Hook to catch a ball <laughs> with that hook? <laughs> or maybe he'll do the thing just like he has a glove. Well, I didn't say he'd attachment. make the team. I just said she could try out. Maybe he'll have a, a baseball glove attachment, just like <laughs> from the movie Hook. Oh. Where he has oh, separate attachments. Yeah. Because <laughs> we do know Hook has the regular hook, and also he has one that's apparently just a gloved hand. Well, now he needs a flamethrower because there's a lot of ice and snow. How come Elsa was leaving that ice trail? I think that's her signature thing, and it makes me wonder, how long are they going to keep that up? As long as she's scared, I guess, or yeah. or upset. or Yeah, that was my impression, too. When she's afraid, that's when the magic when takes over. When she's afraid, over. she ices? Right. <laughs> oh, you made me ice. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, why? why is she hiding? The trail leads directly to where you're hiding. You need to at least jump and grab something. Climb, yeah. girl, climb. They can tell where you went. And uh, we do want to know from you what you thought of this episode. What are some of your theories about where things are going? What are some of the observations you have from this episode? The little hidden Easter eggs or interpretations of scenes, that kind of stuff. Please send us your feedback that we can include in our upcoming full discussion of this episode. Just send an email to feedback at oncepodcast.com. Put in the subject line, Two Sisters, because this episode is named A Tale of Two Sisters, and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com. Or you can call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to the website oncepodcast.com and send a voice message right through the website. If you don't remember any of that, just remember oncepodcast.com that has all of the links there as well as to be able to subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes. And we do really appreciate that. You can also review us on Stitcher now too by going to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes or oncepodcast.com slash Stitcher. And big thanks to Ducksman for reviewing us in iTunes. We really appreciate that review. It encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast too. So go over there to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and write a kind review for us, an honest review, and we'd be really grateful. Thank you very much. So we look forward to having our upcoming full discussion of this episode when we will have your feedback, we'll have sound clips, we'll have screenshots, we'll have Aaron joining us for our regular full discussion, and also Hunter and Jacqueline sharing spoilers for upcoming episodes. It is exciting to be back and podcasting about Once Upon a Time again. I'm really looking forward to what the season has for us, and I hope that you're looking forward to it too. So send us your feedback and your thoughts and theories and everything you think could be happening and what might be coming. We'd also love to connect with you on Twitter at Once Podcast, and you can connect with each of us. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. You can also comment on the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 156 and connect with others in our forums. And until next time, mirror, mirror on the wall, show me who I want to kill most of all. And thanks for listening. (laughs) 
Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and contribute and be like a co-producer with us and help cover all the expenses of running the podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor.